You're listening to TBD, a podcast for brilliant coaches, consultants, helpers, and healers creating their best work and their most meaningful contribution. I'm your host, Megan Hale, business strategist and thought partner to help you distill your wisdom into your most potent offers and the multiple six figures that go with it. I'll be the first to tell you though, as someone who's done it, this path is far from a straight line. There are highs, there are lows, and so many moments of uncertainty in between. But if there are two things I know to be true, it's you always know what you need to know when you need to know it. And the next right step is always on its way. Let's do this. Hey, hey, y'all, and welcome back to the show. So today's episode is going to be a little bit heavier than usual, um, but I think that it's really important that we are able to hold space for the harsh realities that are going on in the world and especially how we navigate this as business owners. So although this episode was not planned, I think that it's one that's really, really needed. So I appreciate you showing up and diving in with me here. Before we get started into some of the heavier stuff, though, I do want to give myself permission to start with some celebrations because this past week has definitely been one that is full of them. So I am fresh back from an amazing retreat with Leslie Tagorda, where I got to go and hang out with her and her team, do a little business coaching and planning for 2024 for her next phase of growth. Also wine tasting in Napa Valley, floating in hot springs in Calistoga and having delicious meals every single night. Okay. This is in stark contrast to some of the other horrific things that are happening in the world. And what I want to bring mention to is that there are many, many times where we have this polarity, right? We have this dichotomy of us bearing witness to some very, very heavy griefs while also experiencing some really, really rich joys, right? And that's exactly what this past week has been like for me. You know, Leslie and I went out to the same resort this time last year. We mapped out her revised framework for her body of work and being able to go back a year later with almost all of it created now was a very powerful co-reflection for both of us. It has been a massive, massive achievement to see her give birth to her membership, her certification, and most importantly, her certification pre-work for her Astro Brand method this past year. So we have had several talks on her podcast about how we intentionally designed her membership to be a content creation container for her that would give rise to her certification. So to see it all come to fruition has been a very powerful thing to witness. And if you're not familiar with Leslie, she works with entrepreneurs and other change makers to leverage their star powers to show up as their fullest expression as a brand astrologer. She also teaches others how to leverage their one-of-a-kind astrology to highlight their strengths, clarify their soul customers, choose aligned color palettes and visual brand elements, and even hone their messaging all based on the stars, okay? She's created Star Powered Position, which helps you clarify your position in the market, Star Powered Voice, which helps you clarify your messaging, tone, and language, and Star Powered Style, which helps you pull together an aligned visual brand, but also your unique way of marketing and running your business that's aligned with your strengths. And finally, she's the founder of the Astro Brand Method, which is her unique approach to holistic branding that's currently certifying its first cohort and walks practitioners through Leslie's process when she's working with clients, as well as her ethical guideposts for delivering a decolonialized approach to interpreting charts and cosmic weather. She is such a wealth of wisdom when it comes to astrology, branding, and leadership. Like even when you're just hanging around her, she is able to tell you so many beautiful insights from your chart and she's able to remember people's charts. It is like so wild, the information she's able to hold in her brain, but to see all of this knowledge and knowing be integrated into a cohesive framework has just been next level as her business coach. So if you follow Leslie, definitely stay tuned for all that she has coming up, especially 2024 in the stars. If you value astrological guidance and mentorship in your business and leadership. 
Leslie and I had several talks on our retreat about the Israel-Hamas war. And although I had a different episode planned for this week, I thought it was really important to come speak to how we navigate our businesses and the world during times of humanitarian crisis. I spoke about this briefly in last week's episode, but as the war intensifies, I have more to say. So let's dive in. So to start, please know that I'm going to get things wrong in this episode, and I'm always open to constructive feedback, okay? However, I am never open to shame-based feedback. And as an aside to this, especially to my white listeners, it is imperative that we realize that our level of fragility is directly tied to how we perceive feedback, okay? The more fragility we have, the more likely we are to perceive constructive feedback as shaming. And the opposite is also true. The less fragility we have, the more capacity we also hold to receive the constructive pieces of feedback and leave the rest, okay? And here's the thing about feedback. We also tend to receive it in our DMs and or email where it's really up to us to decipher someone's tone. And as someone who is not new to owning my white fragility, I usually read feedback out loud in several different tones to have the widest possible perspective, okay? I also have colleagues I trust to run things by because we don't have to interpret tone on our own. So as we are receiving feedback and you're not quite sure how to read it, is this constructive? Is this shaming? You're trying to find your way with it. Definitely read that out loud and also run it by some trusted colleagues for their perspective, okay? It's really, really important that we stay open to receive the feedback, but we also have boundaries around people's approaches who are really trying to leverage shame. I'm not here for that, okay? And you don't have to be here for that either. It's also essential though, that when we use our voice to stand up for things, that we have community around us to lean on because any feedback is going to come with emotional labor on both sides, right? Us who are receiving the feedback and definitely those who are offering the feedback. And one big reason I think a lot of people choose to not speak up about horrific tragedies in the world or offer feedback when someone gets something wrong is because of the emotional labor that's involved when life already feels full, heavy, or overwhelming, okay? And so it's essential that we practice grace with each other and most definitely ourselves. And to be explicitly clear, that grace is offered to those who are seeking to understand, seeking to use their voice, seeking to create safety and healing for others, not those who are perpetuating hate, dehumanization, or othering of any kind, okay? I have no grace for anybody who is involved with any of those acts. The truth is there's a very real risk of getting things wrong and causing more harm, and it can also happen very, very quickly. For example, word choice is especially important. We could say George Floyd died, George Floyd was killed, George Floyd was murdered, and each of those words carries an explicitly different meaning, right? Word choice also tends to evolve. And part of speaking up is staying engaged with how language is evolving because the words that we choose matter. And I'm starting here because I think it's important to follow the word choice lead from people who have direct lived experiences. When George Floyd was murdered, for instance, that word choice lead came from American Black folks specifically who have endured generations of police brutality as a direct symptom of systemic racism. When we're speaking of the Israel-Hamas war, that lived experience comes from Palestinians and Israelis who intimately know generations of ongoing conflict between these two countries, right? But also Muslims and Jews who have lived experience of Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and generations of ancestral trauma due to religious persecution and genocide, all right? And it is especially important we elevate their voices, their word choice, because the language we use has the power to direct the narrative, tell the whole truth, and also convey 
harsh realities. The last thing that I'm going to share on this before we dive into running a business during these horrific times is to also know your position and your responsibility. Let's talk about responsibility first. I've already seen the comments shaming others for not understanding hundreds of years of history when no one can be expected to know the history of the world for every single conflict that exists on the planet. Okay. We cannot be shamed for not knowing something, especially because there are plenty of pockets where whole groups of people are insulated from knowing the real truth in this world, right? That's how white supremacy and colonialism in particular operate. Many white people, for instance, are raised with flat out lies or half truths that explain away or shove under the rug horrific acts of violence, persecution, xenophobia, and racism. History is whitewashed and minimized, for example, okay? You cannot know what you have not been exposed to and there's also a responsibility to learn what you have not been taught, okay? You're both late and right on time at the same time, okay? In regards to position, this is not a time to compare this tragedy with any other event in history. This is not a time to center yourself. This is not a time to share ill-informed opinions when you're not up to speed enough to understand the complexities that current events demand. I am saying this explicitly to people like me who are white, who have very little understanding of the nuance and complexities of current events, okay? It is okay to say that you do not know. It is okay to take your time to do your research. It's also okay to trust your knowing that the bombing, killing, kidnapping, and murdering of innocent people is never a forgivable act, all right? Hamas is a terrorist organization and terrorists are like cancer. You cannot snuff out cancer cells without also killing healthy cells. And the level of innocent life that is being lost is unbearable, unthinkable, and an atrocity to humanity. There are war crimes being committed. War at its most basic level bears witness to the most inhumane tragedies we will ever see or know. I cannot, with the innocent children and families who have already been lost in both Gaza and Israel, I cannot, with Wadea Al-Fayumi being stabbed to death as a hate crime committed against a six-year-old here on American soil, and this hits especially close to home, having two boys five and seven, and cannot even comprehend the mentality of a grown-ass adult who could do that to a child. Like, what the actual fuck? I hope he goes to prison for the rest of his fucking life. And my heart, ah, oh. My heart is with his mother and my heart is with every single person who is grieving, scared, infuriated, and feels helpless as this war wages on, especially those who are in Gaza and Israel. I hate it. I hate all of it. I hate that my Jewish friends are walking through this world right now, feeling a heightened sense of unsafety. I hate that my Muslim friends are walking through this world right now, feeling the same way as this war excites hate crimes and sentiments of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. It is awful. Fucking awful awful. But the worst is seeing the dehumanization of people that is always the tactic to justify the killing of innocent lives. I denounce it with every single fiber of my being. So I'm not going to go any further into my thoughts here, but please know that my door is always open. I will never be the one who has it all figured out, but I will always, always sit in the room with you as you rumble with your own answers. So now that we have some foundational pieces here together, how in the world do we lead our businesses through a humanitarian crisis? Like what is the right protocol? Okay. First off, there is no right anything. There are going to be people who pause their marketing because that feels right for them. And sometimes that's an appropriate response. There will be people who carry on as business as usual and not address current events because there's a fear of getting it wrong. What I'll share as business owners is that we have three core responsibilities in my opinion. 
The first is holding space for our communities, especially community members who hold identities that are feeling this the hardest. The second is marketing our businesses with sensitivity and care and determining what that looks like. And third, holding space for ourselves and our own boundaries around how we use our platforms, how we stay engaged, but not flooded and overwhelmed, and how we lead in alignment with our values and what that looks like for you. My first step during times like these is checking in with my clients. I open my coaching calls by asking how everyone is doing and affirming that I am here for additional processing as my capacity allows, okay? On my client intake form, there's also a place where community members can add any specific identities that are important to them, which can also help alert me to check in with them specifically. One thing that stops a lot of us from bringing things into the room is the fear that we'll open ourselves up to discourse we're not prepared to hold space for, or by bringing something to the surface, it will open up something vulnerable, when in reality, it's simply naming a vulnerability that is already being felt, okay? When the grocery store shooting in Buffalo, New York happened, for instance, that was a racially motivated hate crime against Black folks, I made a post in my client community denouncing it and also normalizing that this isn't business as usual, okay? I had a client whose Black brother was just shopping in that store a week prior, and she needed this to be named, even though I didn't have all the details or her lived experience and what she was personally going through with how close this hit to home, all right? When we're going through severely traumatic events, it is so important that our clients know it's okay to feel that shift in their capacity, to have that witness, to give full permission, to not put pressure on yourself to carry on or hold timelines, right? Especially when your felt safety has been activated, your capacity has been greatly impacted, and there also needs to be time and space for grief. So check in with your people, name something, bring it into the room, right? And if that opens up dialogue that you do not feel equipped to hold space for, it's okay to name that, right? You can always say, I wanted to bring this into the room. I wanted to name it. I don't feel equipped to hold space for this conversation with the care and sensitivity it deserves, but my inbox is open after this call for further processing, okay? You get to put some containers around that to protect the safety for all in your space, okay? The second is when it comes to marketing, many of us cannot afford to stop selling or halt operations or go quiet because it feels insensitive. We have this tendency to demonize money during times like these when money is not some luxury, some nice to have amenity, okay? It's a core need to support ourselves, our team, and generate money for aid. It's always interesting to me how our most ingrained beliefs around money tend to come out during times of crises, as if it's greedy or self-serving to also be concerned with financial security. Businesses do not stop because crises happen in the world, okay? Our team members don't get a break in their bills, and neither do we. So does that mean that we carry on as business as usual? Absolutely not. Naming, acknowledging, bringing attention to what's going on communicates to your community your stance, your compassion, and your intent as you continue to market during crisis. Communication is so important here, okay? It could be as simple as including a statement in your marketing emails, making an announcement on social, creating a podcast episode, whatever that looks like for you, okay? We have all seen people market during crises that are in bad taste, which is usually leveraging some horrific act to drive sales or creating a give back as a window to keep selling. Now, I'm not saying creating a give back is wrong. Obviously, I encourage consistent, sustainable giving through the 2% pledge, okay? But there is a difference between regular giving and giving during times of crises, and there's a right and wrong way to do it. The right way, in my opinion, is donating 100% of proceeds to a cause, not a percent. Otherwise, if you're selling to increase revenue, just sell for the sake of revenue and keep that intent clean, okay? Because when we are selling to donate a percentage of those sales, it is so easy for the cause to feel secondary when that crisis deserves urgency and priority. 
Leslie, for example, did such a great job at this recently with the Lahaina fires. She did a flash sale of one of her most raved about courses and donated 100% of revenue to humanitarian aid in Hawaii for families that were displaced. So lastly, how we hold space for ourselves is so key, especially the pressure we put on ourselves to learn at hyper speed in order to form a well-informed opinion and stance. And trust me, that pressure is real. And also we do not have to learn everything there is to know to call for a stop to hate. The desire to learn everything and form a well-informed opinion and stance can also toe the line of perfectionism too, which is a symptom of white supremacy, which delays our action. Okay. It delays us standing up and using our voice and calling for a stop to hate because we want to understand everything. Okay. And there's definitely things to understand, but there's also an inherent knowing that exists in each of us that knows that innocent people dying for any reason is not okay. Right. As a society, we are also so deeply connected to the rest of the world, which means that we're flooded with images we don't want to see, truths we do not want to know, violence that makes us sick to our stomachs. And that's simply by being on social media, where many of us do commerce, we're engaged with our community, and we're doing our marketing. So what I want you to be aware of is secondary traumatization is real and it sticks with you for a very long time. Sandy Hook, for instance, still sits in my bones in a very felt way. I remember exactly where I was. I remember my exact response. I can still feel that visceral reaction in my body, seeing some of those images on the TV, hearing some of the truths that I just... It was really difficult to comprehend how somebody else could do that. Like It even just brings me to tears today, okay? So... It is so important to be mindful of how much you ingest, not what frequency. It is easy to go down rabbit holes in your quest to learn. And it's also a lot for our nervous systems to take in decades and decades of historical trauma as we educate ourselves, let alone the past 12 days of historic trauma we're bearing witness to in Gaza and Israel, okay? So you have to draw energetic boundaries. You have to draw input boundaries, but also not completely disengaging. Like we have to learn how to take breaks and tend to our nervous systems. We have to learn how to lean on practices that restore and soften and heal and keep us open, even though it hurts. We have to lean on people that we trust to share our heartache and also find ways to transmute that heartache into action. And one of those ways is through giving. What I hope you take away from this episode is in knowing that you're not alone as you figure out how to navigate running your business during crises. We are in this together. Find the people who are doing this in a way that feels safe and honoring for you. Find the people who have gone before you. You don't have to figure this out on your own. Be open to feedback, but also draw your boundaries around it. I am sending you so much love as all of our hearts are holding so much grief right now. We will get through this together. So until next time, friends, thank you for tuning in to this heavier episode. I think it's really important that we hold space for what is happening in the world and come together as we navigate it. And as with most things, especially when we don't know the right answer, right? We have to have the courage to keep showing up even when that clarity is still forming. Knowing, trusting, believing the next right step is always on its way. See you soon.